This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkin from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Jerry Hooten, the 2018 FFPC Terminator Tournament overall co-champion and former Best Ball Live event winner. In this episode, we talk about the changing roles for Damian Harris and Ronald Jones, why he is in the thick of the 2020 Terminator race, some helpful best ball tips, and much more. Hooten's career winnings in the FFPC total more than $80,000. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over three million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Like me, getting excited to watch Aaron Rodgers throw the ball all over the field, hopefully to the right team, for plenty of touchdowns for my Green Bay Packers. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Now, without further ado, here is $80,000 high-stakes fantasy football winner, Jerry Hooten. Coming to you on a, uh, this is, we're recording this Monday night, just so everybody's aware, and uh, we timed it out pretty perfectly. It's halftime of the Cowboys and Cardinals game, and I'm sure much will uh, take place over the next couple of days before uh, you are actually listening to this uh, on uh, on Thursday morning, but we're going to do the best we can tonight, and I think we're going to be in good shape because we have on uh, a longtime high-stakes FFPC veteran, a guy who's played in a ton of best balls former co-champ of the uh, FFPC Terminator competition. It's Jerry Hooten joining us this week. Jerry, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. We um, Let's talk about the main event because obviously it's it's at the forefront of, of a lot of people's minds, that in the Football Guys Players Championship. And I want to specifically talk to you about Robbie Anderson um, because you have him on one of your main event teams that's doing quite well. 
he's been the best wideout that Carolina's had all season. What did you see about uh, Anderson uh, that that so many other FFPC drafters didn't and let him slip down draft boards? Well, actually, kind of started last year. I traded for him in my dynasty leagues late last year, mainly because I knew he was a free agent. He was going to go to move to a different team. I was kind of like hoping like Green Bay or Philadelphia. But he ended up in Carolina with his old coach. And, you know, it was kind of like a half a roll of the dice, just kind of a hunch. And I thought he was a better player than he'd shown previously and kind of took a shot on him. I wish I had taken more shots on him. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, you and me both. It's so funny because, you know, I love DJ Moore coming into this season, and I, I drafted him in a fairly good amount of um, of leagues. Um, but the only Robbie Anderson share I have is also like you in a dynasty league where, you know, I was prepared to, you know, at, at cut down prepared to move on from him. And then I just had some other guys not work out. And Anderson was the type of guy that, oh, let's keep him around and see what happens. He's been crushing it. Are you worried? You probably own DJ Moore in a few leagues, given how many best balls you're in. Are you worried about his 2020 season, the, the way that Anderson's playing right now? I did not take as many best balls as I have. I probably don't have seven, eight teams with DJ Moore on it. I kind of stayed away from him. So was that because of the Robbie Anderson factor, or did something else play in, in into staying away from him? Just, you know, it's it, you got a new team, new coach, new quarterback, no preseason games, you know, all that. I just I tried to stay with continuity this year. Took some flyers on some Guys, I thought, you know, we're going to bounce from last year. But just tried to stay with continuity. And Carolina just had a lot of changes. So I just kind of stayed away from it. Unless I got McCaffrey with the first pick. I just kind of stayed away from him. Yeah, and it's, it's too, I mean, like more, you did have to pay a premium to get uh, to get him. So, and it's, there's certainly a, a lot of other options going there, too, uh, which I'm sure you're happy uh, about that you uh, did not take DJ Moore in a ton of drafts. Now, you and your nephew, Phil, your previous overall winners, the FFPC Terminator Tournament, you have a lot of really good teams in that contest again this year. What, what's been the secret um, in, in this format that you guys have not only won it, but also look like you're going to have a couple of teams at the end in, in the whole shebang again in 2020. Well, hopefully this week doesn't kill us because our Terminator teams took a hit this week. It's ugly. But <laughs> there's plenty of weeks left. Um, I, you know, I don't know if it's just we just seem to have a knack for it. To, to know, it's really not who you take. It's staying away from the bums. And the guys, those guys will kill you. The, the, the DJ Moores, the Juju Schmiths, those kind of players, we kind of stay away from them, and it's worked out for us. Yeah, and, and too, I mean, well, and we're going to get into more best ball conversation, too, uh, coming up later uh, later in the program, too. But that's definitely something I, I, I want to pick your brain about for sure as, as far as those Terminators go. Um, I mentioned it at the top of the show, you and Phil also run a ton of best ball teams with the FFPC. How close of attention when you're during draft season, uh, Jerry, how close of attention are you paying when you're drafting all these teams, many of them at the same time, to make sure that you don't have too many or too few shares of any players? Well, I just kind of like go, we just kind of like go into the season kind of figuring, all right, we're going to, out of this pool of players, we're going to get more of these two guys or more of these three guys of the, of the pool. As the, as the draft goes on, you move into separate, separate pools and, we kind of concentrate that we want to get more of these guys. And every now and then, if, if the price is right, 
would take somebody we really don't like, like DJ Moore. I mean, if he get in the middle of the fourth round, top of the fifth round, then we'd take him. But we'd never take him late third, top of the fourth. So, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's value. It's where they fall in the pool. What's it been like managing teams for, for so many years with Phil? I mean, how have you guys – what what's 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 the balance the yin and the yang that you have there that that's been so successful from a uh, financial standpoint that makes you guys a good pair? Well, you know, uh, God, that's a good question. We very rarely <laughs> ever disagree. You know, most of the time, one of us, you know, hey, I really like this guy, and it's okay, that's fine, go ahead, take him. You know, and and vice versa. It's rarely we ever get butt heads. Or we don't disagree. I don't know. It's just because we're family members, or it just worked out that way. But it hasn't really been that big of a deal. And and if, and if, and you guys, it's this is not like one or two years. I mean, how long have you guys been playing together as as co managers? <sighs> Six, seven, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and you've, you've developed a chemistry that's that's clearly worked uh, uh, for sure. Um, okay, so two heads have definitely wanna... been better than one in this in this instance. Um, right. When you so I want to talk a little bit about Gabriel Davis here because I don't know if you own him in any of your dynasties. I have him in a couple of mine, um, and then you used him uh, in the Chiefs Bills game in Week Six, and, yeah. and I'm, you, you had Dearness Johnson, you had Tyler Higby on the bench. I'm curious um, why you like Davis in this uh, this game against the Chiefs, and um, why you sort of like him in general to, to have him rostered in 2020. I have a. Uh... What I call my rookie guy. It's a report this individual puts out. I don't know if you want me to say his name or not, but um, oh, you can. Uh, Matt Waldman. And, okay, uh, there you go. I, you know, I read his report every year and get try to find some lower end guys that he kind of likes that the masses don't like. And Gabriel was on one of his guys, and then I, you know, you kind of I try to listen in the camp and try to get little bits and pieces of, you know, this guy's, this rookie's doing good in camp. This guy's flashing, looking good. And then after a game or two, I, you know, I started accumulating them on dynasty teams. And I, the one game he played against the Rams, it was the he, fourth down. The game was on the line. They threw the ball to him and he got that pass interference call, which was really an ugly call. Cause I'm a Rams fan. <laughs> So I, you know, I just you keep you just kind of keep your air open and try to rotate these guys in. He hasn't really done a whole lot, but I love him for dynasty. Yeah, and he's a you know it was such a historic year, and I know we 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 kind of throw that term around a little bit, um, but it was such a historic year for receivers in the draft this year. For the fact that Gabriel Davis is a fourth round, if it would have been a more normal year, for lack of a better term, uh, for receivers, you wonder how high he could have gone. Maybe he would have been a second round pick. I don't know. Uh, but certainly he has flashed, um, no question. So uh, as long as I know you're a Rams fan now, um, so what are you looking at as far as the backfield goes? I mean, is it Henderson? Is it Brown? Is it? I mean, I think we can. We're pretty much in agreement. Well, I, I shouldn't say we're in agreement because I haven't uh, asked you about this yet. But I think Acres seems to be the unanimous guy that everybody believes will be the guy at some point. As far as fantasy right now, Jerry, who who's the guy to own uh, for the Rams, and how do you see that backfield? shaking out for the remainder of the season. I would treat it like the New England backfield. Who the hell knows? <laughs> Just stay away in general. Yeah, I mean, I got way too many cam makers and best balls. I kind of, I don't know if it was computer homerism or 
but anyways, I missed that one so far this year. He's been, he's not been very good, but uh, I would assume as season goes on, he would start to prevail, but rookies, you know, rookies and these, I try to stay away from rookies in, in uh, best ball drafts. I will never draft a rookie tight end. I don't even like drafting rookie wide receivers. I think in best balls, the more you can stay away from the rookies, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, and 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 two, I I think that um, it, it's their price gets driven up because they're the mystery box, right? You know, fantasy owners want to take the the guy who, you know, because because he has not played a snap in the NFL, he has that unknown ceiling, and sometimes that unknown ceiling, as you will probably agree, that it pushes those guys up in drafts, and it turns it turns the veterans, quite frankly, into a value. Uh, because nobody's necessarily excited about drafting the veterans, but that that those are sometimes the keys to unlocking best ball championships, right, Jerry? Yes, yeah, so I said earlier, it's staying away. Like I use the word bums. I probably shouldn't use that word. It's staying away from the lower producers, the people who are taking Ceh at one hundred five, one hundred six, one hundred six, one hundred seven ahead of Joe Mixon, ahead of Aaron Jones, ahead of Devontae Adams. <sighs> I mean, you're taking what you look what the level that that rookie would have to produce that to be equivalent to those guys. I think that's just way too much risk. Um, Damian Harris, he had a, a good game this past week. How do you see his role changing, if it changes at all, once the Patriots end up taking Sony Michelle off of injured reserve and bringing him back into that backfield? Well, I took some shots on him because I just, you know, coming out of camp, you heard that, he, you know, he was the guy. Uh, so when when everybody was healthy, and then he, I guess he hurt his pinky or something on his hand, and he went on IR for three weeks. So I think that when when he comes back, he's going to be the main ball carrier. But it's the New England backfield, so what does that really mean? All right. Yeah. Well, and okay, so let's let's just touch on that real quick. So for best ball, those Patriots running backs make a lot more sense than they would for the main event or for the football guys players championship, right? Absolutely. At the end of a lot of drafts, I took Burkhead. I love taking Rex Burkhead in the 26th, 27th round. That's, you know, because if he does go belly up, you didn't waste a pick. But if you got to take, you know, you're taking Sony Michelle in the eighth round, whew, that's, you know, that's risky. Um, Ronald, as long as we're talking about backfields here, Ronald Jones uh, has – I don't know if he still does, but I know in weeks um, four and five, he led the the NFL in rushing over those two um, weeks uh, because of no Leonard Fournette. And now Fournette will be coming back, we would assume, at some point. Um, but Jones is really entrenched as the starter. Had another great game against Green Bay uh, this past week in, in week six. Um, it, how likely is it, Jerry, that, that they end up doing a 50-50 split, roughly a 50-50 split for touches when Fournette is back? Or is this a case where where Fournette's sort of you know the the handcuff at this point, uh, the guy that's you know behind the guy, and it's Jones's job to lose? I think it's Jones's job to lose. Now, obviously, they'll rotate him in, you know, a series here and a series there. But I think unless Ronald Jones, you know, misses a block and gets Tom Brady blown up or fumbles, I think I think the job's his. Yeah, and, and it's weird because Tampa has always, you know, seemingly ever since they drafted Ronald Jones, they've been looking for 
um, other alternatives. You know, they're, they're playing Peyton Barber over him a ton. They drafted Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, they get not only Leonard Fournette, but LaShawn McCoy as well. You know, just always seeming to, to, to have their eye wandering, you know, for something better. And uh, they might have had the best guy all along there in, in Ronald Jones. Do you own him in Dynasty anywhere, Jerry? I believe I have him on one or two teams. One I'm for sure, but I think I think I got him on a best ball dynasty and a, and a regular, a standard one. Do you, and I know you manage a lot of teams, but I'm just curious, as far as dynasty goes, do you find yourself um, actively shopping players during the season to try to cash in on, on value? Or is it just, you know, is that just something that has not been super fruitful in the past and you save that for the off season? I probably don't trade as much as most people do for, I don't know, whatever reason, being conservative, I guess. I just, <laughs> uh, I did make a pretty good trade here the other day that it's worked out, but uh, I tra- I got what rid was- of Ertz. I finally got rid of that old guy. I got, uh, yeah. So I put Ertz and, uh, who the heck, could- oh, Ertz and Odell and got Tyreek Hill back. So oh, nice. Back. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I like that, especially for for Dynasty. Um, and it's interesting too because now we know Ertz is going to miss some time. Goddard's. Um, I don't know when he can come back or when he is coming back. We know he's banged up. Obviously, we're still waiting for the return of Deshaun Jackson. Now, Sean Jeffrey, Travis Fulgham is is looking like a thing. Two consecutive weeks with a lot of targets from Carson Wentz. Um, did you end up getting Fulgham and on any of your uh, squads in in the waiver wire this past week? Uh. Unfortunately, no. I didn't even put a bid in for him. But this is the not for long league, the NFL. And we'll <laughs> see, you know, once you show up on film, defenses will start rolling coverage over to you. And we'll see what he's made of here in the next couple of weeks to see if he's a, a real NFL player or a flash in a pan because he's now on the scene. And let's see what he can do with coverage. Yeah, and and uh, the other guy too uh, that I didn't mention, Jalen Rager, uh, is is going to be coming back at some point as well. So once Philly gets healthy, uh, we'll see what happens. But you know, at the same time, you know, Jackson may not be long for that team. Um, Alshon bad. Jeffrey He's may bad. not be. Yeah, I mean, so so you're looking at potentially some opportunity there, and it doesn't seem like Philly wants uh, to be in the Zach Ertz business long term as well, uh, as we found out at the start of the season. Um, switching to that Sunday night game this past week, Jerry, Jimmy Garoppolo actually got back on track after being benched in week five. And I know he was dealing with the ankle thing, but he was also playing pretty badly. Um, did his performance uh, against the Rams on Sunday night make you feel about starting some of these other Niners pass catchers, specifically Debo Samuel, who seems to be, you know, rounding into form. He gets six for 66 and a touchdown that game. Um, does Garoppolo give you the warm fuzzies now and feel good about uh, Debo Samuel in your starting lineups? Well, me and warm fuzzy feelings about the 49ers don't go hand in hand. <laughs> More like I wish they'd rot in hell. But back to the question, um, I think Debo is just is just a baller. I don't really care who the quarterback is. Um Garoppolo can date as many porn stars as you want. I don't think that's going to affect Debo much. Yeah, and and uh, and Ayuk too. I mean, obviously he didn't have uh, the the huge game that that Samuel did, but certainly Garoppolo looking good um, is is you know. And and the thing is too, it's like you said, like I don't want to say Samuel's quarterback proof. Like whoever's throwing to him does make a difference, but he is you know one of the most talented uh, receivers in that division for sure. Um, 
Okay, so one of the things that we're going to have the opportunity to do this week here, Jerry, and this is something that we don't normally do on this show because we don't really have the opportunity to, when we're in the midst of the season, you know, we're coming up on week seven here. Um, we don't normally talk a whole lot about draft strategy, um, but you being a, a best ball savant, best ball expert, uh, this would be a good opportunity for us to to uh, to talk to you and give the listeners sort of an idea of um, of what it takes to to be winning all these leagues, uh, these best ball leagues that you draft prior to the season. Um, first question is, how did the doing all those best balls in the in the drafting season sort of prepare you? for those managed teams, those main events, the football guys teams, how did, how does that prep you uh, to make sure you're at uh, your drafting peak and your team management peak? Well, as many drafts as you can do that you just get, you just get experienced. You've, you've realized how certain drafts kind of fall. You real you, you learn not to chase. If you don't get the running backs you want, you just don't grab the next two available just because they're the next two available. You just learn to manage your expectations and you just, you know, you just try to piece a team together as much as you can. And the more drafts you do, the better off you're going to be. You're just going to have more knowledge. Just like poker players. The best poker players are today are the ones who went on the Internet and they played six, seven hands, you know, at a time. And they play thousands and thousands and thousands of hands of poker. You're going to be better at it. And the same thing as drafting football. The more drafts you do, the better you're going to be at drafting. Um, it's certainly experience. And, and, and I think, and too, wouldn't you say, especially with the FFPC, given the, the, the starting lineup, the two running backs, the two receivers, the two flexes, the tight end, don't you think that, um, you know, the, you get more of a variance on, on FFPC drafts, like you'll see some, some crazier, some wilder things and, and, and a huge, you know, a much bigger, different deviation in, in the types of drafts you see, right? Absolutely. That was one of the reasons why we play at FFPC is because of the the two flex system. I like that. Yeah, you can play uh, four running backs. You can play three tight ends. So when you're putting your team together early, if there's a tight end that falls to you, even though you already have one, well, you can pick them up because you got plenty of room to play them. You can't let you know you you don't have to let that value fall because you got nowhere to put them. Um. When you're drafting in, and I know we touched on this earlier, when you're drafting in a, a Terminator tournament or or just like, you know, the, the 28 best ball, uh, 28 round best ball draft, did you do any slims this year with, with the FFPC adding those slim uh, best balls? Did you do any of those, Jerry? Of course, but I did way more 28 rounders than I did slims. What did, what did you think of the slims? Just just um, offhand, what did you think about those drafts? How do they compare to the, the 28 rounders? I like the 28 rounders better simply because I think I have a pretty good knowledge of the depth of talent in the league. And, I, and it's just more to my advantage to go deeper, but as far yeah. as doing them, I mean, that was, was fine. I just, I just think the strategy in a 28 rounder is, uh, is way more, it's, it's more intense, even though, you know, you, you, the kickers and defenses, this is what a lot of people don't understand about best ball. You have 16 weeks. You have 10 scoring spots. That's 160 scoring opportunities in a season. That's all you get. 16 of those are defenses. 16 of those are kickers. So out of your 160 scoring opportunities, 32 of them are defenses and kickers. They're important. You slush those away, you're throwing away scoring opportunities. 
And and the other thing too is uh, you know you don't have to worry about that in slims obviously the right. kickers and defenses but but you're right I mean sometimes you know uh, people don't look at the bye weeks they don't they don't look at the matchups and and what have you and they just kind of just draft whoever and sometimes they'll luck into it but I think you're right I think it's the people who have the experience the people who look a little bit deeper uh, you know beneath just scratching the surface those are the ones that really get uh, a lot of success in, in those best ball um, uh, drafts for sure. Um, getting back to my question, when you're drafting one of those or a Terminator, how does your player valuation change from that type of format? I think we touched on this a little bit with the Patriots running backs earlier. How does your player valuation change when you're talking about those uh, 28 rounders, set it and forget it, uh, in comparison to a football guy's draft or a main event draft? Uh, you can't. Like I said, I, I try to stay away from rookies. I'll take a rookie running back, but I will never draft a rookie tight end. You see a rookie tight end on my team, it's Philip drafted him, not me. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's been I mean, it's been pretty safe, right? I mean it's it's pretty rare where you have a rookie tight end that's making waves that's that's becoming a, a, a huge fantasy asset. It's rare. It's ob- absolutely you're better off taking another kicker. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and rookie wide receivers are are rough. Even though this year they're doing pretty good, but a lot of years they don't show up either. It's you got twenty eight spots, and you need twenty eight spots banging every week for you because every point counts. It's, you mentioned, and I believe, uh, thank you for bringing it up, that we won the uh, Terminator overall by one point six five points. Wow, just so, incredible. Yeah, I mean, so every. Every position counts. Everybody, everybody, hang on one second. Hang on. I'm sorry about that. That's all right. Um, but you're right. I mean, everything everything does count. You got to make sure that that you're squeezing as many points out as you possibly can uh, in in that format. Do you? How do you guys decide um, uh, how to how, to to which player to drop every week for the Terminator? Is that does that ever get contentious, or are you guys mostly in agreement um, of, of who you're going to be dropping? That's fascinating. It's You'd think that it wouldn't be that hard. Obviously, some weeks are not. You know, a guy goes on IRR, you get rid of him. But you'd be surprised how hard that is sometimes to try to figure out which guy to, to drop. I dropped Daryl Williams in, a, in one of the Terminator this last week, and then, you know, and then he scores a touchdown this week. So, All right, yeah. You know, it, it's tough. It, it's t- and and it's crucial. You can't. You just. Uh, it's tough. I, I think um, we have our biggest argument, or not arguments, our biggest discussion on who the hell to drop more than we do right. who, who, who who are we going to draft. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things too, where it's like you know, um, if you pick the wrong guy at the wrong portion of the season, I mean that can tank your team. As as weird as it. As weird as that sounds, it, it, it can tank your – and I've seen it happen. Too. I'm sure you've seen it happen um, with either your teams or some of the guys that, that you uh, uh, compete against too. Uh, I, I think you're totally right on that, and, and it certainly makes for some uh, some white-knuckle moments before you click on that drop button or whoever it's going to be that week. Um, Jerry, final question here uh, well, uh, tonight. Example, excuse me, but just for an example, three weeks ago we dropped Burkhead in a league, and he goes off and has 30 points. Oh, it's so frustrating. Oh, so frustrating. We kept them in a couple, but we dropped them in one. You know, it was kind of an eeny, meeny, miny, mo. All right, we'll we'll keep them in these two, but we'll get rid of them in this one. Boom, thirty point, and you'll never get that. You'll never recover from that. 
when you just curious when you're drafting these terminators and when you get to the the final few rounds um do you ever just draft flyers where you know like okay if this guy doesn't hit um well he'll be one of our first drops this year um does that line of thinking ever come into play i try to draft as many players who have roles in their offense dedicated roles third down backs i try to stay away from handcuffs because you got you handcuffed somebody. Say you take Tony Pollard, you handcuff him with Elliot because you took him earlier. Well, how long? How many weeks are you going to take those zeros or one or two points before you got to cut them? Because you just can't have them on your roster. You draft twenty six guys who all have a role. And that's and that's the thing too is like you know if if you're drafting a a, a handcuff. Well, if your guy goes down, well, sure, that helps you out. But in order to win a, a national contest like you guys did with the Terminator, um, handcuffing might not be the, the the best idea. You know, you sort of got to take some chances here and there. And maybe, you know, going for the most explosive team is the way to go and, and making sure that you get guys with those defined roles that are just that are something beyond a handcuff where you can get some guaranteed points every single week. Um Final question for you tonight, Jerry, the roster construction in, in a best ball league. And I know it's totally different for a slim, but uh, I'm just kind of curious if you and Phil have sort of a set number in mind, as far as um, how many quarterbacks you want, how many tight ends, kickers, defenses, that type of thing. And do you tweak that? Do you vary it up at all uh, in those drafts where maybe you go a little bit lighter on quarterback here, a little bit more heavy on tight end there? How, how does, uh, how, how do those discussions go? How do you guys normally decide that? Well, we always take three quarterbacks. Um, occasionally this year, because of COVID, I took a fourth one. But mostly, basically, we take three quarter. Even if we take Mahomes early or somebody else, we always end up with three. Three kickers, two defenses, five tight ends, and then basically break the other ones up. I draft running backs early, early and often. I have my six, seven running backs before the 15th round. Because I think taking a running back after the round 20, there's if you look on a draft board and you look at all the running backs that are taken after, let's say, round 19 to 28, there's probably only two or three of them that are worth a damn. So, you know, you can't take them down there. You're just waiting. You, you're rolling the dice, hoping for a miracle. And in the, meantime, in the meantime, the guy's getting you zeros every week until the miracle happens. So, like I said, I get 28 players that all have routines. And I stack the top half of the draft with running backs because you can't pick them up. You can only go start with the seven or eight you started with. So get them early, get them often, and worry about the your wide receivers and your fourth, fifth tight end later on in life. Um, I know I said that was the final question. I do have one more that you made me think of. Um, I saw this year, this year more than ever uh, in in best ball leagues. Um, I've, I've seen teams, some teams, not all teams. I mean, just a few waiting until round 11 to draft their first receiver, sometimes around 13, sometimes even around 15 to take their first receiver. Do you ever find yourself waiting on receiver that long in any of your drafts, given how much you like to, to get all those running backs early? I, the, 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 the big dog that I'm leading in right now, their team one did that and they're in about fifth or sixth spot. It is real. It's too tough. It's it's a little. That's too much. You can sneak a wide receiver or two in the top ten picks. You don't need to. You don't need to start. I've seen guys start with four tight ends, 
four straight quarter, but you see some goofy stuff in best ball. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do for sure. Um, <laughs> well, a lot of people love to love to do the Kelsey George Kittle double. You'd never see that in a redraft. But I, I remember back in the day, uh, it, it it was the Jermichael Finley Vernon Davis start. You know, you like that was that was the tight end start du jour. That and then now he's now it's Kelsey and Kittle. It, it and uh, you know I've, I've it's been Kelsey and Ertz before. It's crazy, man. I, I've won that way. You can win that way, but you better. I've never won a team with bad running backs, though. I've, I've won with ugly looking wide receivers. I've won with ugly looking quarterbacks, but I've never won a big ball league with r- ugly running backs. Yeah, and it, and it, it's just like you said too. I mean, like as as long as you're you're avoiding those lower producing players, you got a shot, and um and you can do it with. And I'm sure you've won with some ugly looking quarterbacks too, right? I've, I've won with everything ugly except running backs. If you got except running backs. five six crappy running backs on your team, you're dead. Uh, Jerry, this was so much fun uh, talking best ball with you in the middle. I never, it's, it's mid October. We're talking best ball draft strategy. I love it. I absolutely love it. And a uh, good change of pace from what, what we're normally doing on these podcasts. I want to thank you so much for carving out some time uh, for the show this week. Uh, best of luck to you uh, c- uh, coming well for the rest of week six here. And then uh, for week seven as well. And in, in all your leagues going forward. Thanks so much, dude. And we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.